And with that, it's lights out on another episode of Flippin' F1. The circus has wound its way to the home to the Mecca of motorsports, the principality itself, Monaco, usually a nappable procession. This race gave us a whole lot to gab about. So, no teasers, all pleasers, as I'm joined by our usual panel of motorhead misfits. Spence, how you been? Good, Randy, good. Just be reflecting on the fact that Sergio Perez would be leading the world championship if it wasn't for a poorly timed safety car in Saudi Arabia. Is there anything this season but poorly timed safety cars? Really? I think there's, <laughs> there's been a few of them. That, that's what I've been ruminating on. Potentially even, yeah, poorly timed safety car and uh, team orders. Yeah. Team orders. I think that's the rule of that one. Yeah, that's a whole other story. While he's weighing in, Death, how's it going, man? Oh, all good. I smell... A lot of Lake Ontario and sunscreen. I just uh, got out of my tiny little yacht. It's a dinghy. You're supposed to stay on top of the water and not go in it, just so you know. Let's see. It got sloppy. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> just how you like it, I hear. Oh, wow. We're at that point already. <laughs> Love it. I'll eat a burrito however I want to eat a burrito, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Professor, what's going on, man? I'm in great form. You know, the last Sunday in May racing day as it is, and that was fantastic. And just happy to be here to bitch and complain with the rest of you guys. It really was a great, great Sunday of racing. Holy geez, man. I was not expecting that, but I, I really enjoyed that. That was great. Tamara asked me if I was going to do something useful. And my answer was, I'm watching racing all day. That is useful. <laughs> that didn't go over well, by the way. And, uh, you know, the couch is very comfortable. Yes, that's right. Yeah. The Indy 500 was on Memorial Day. AKA Sunday, AKA Monaco Sunday. And we had a day that two former Sauber drivers both won races in championships of note. Yeah, absolutely. That is wild. That is wild. Oh, I'm very happy for Marcus Erickson, man. It was great to see him drink the milk. That was wild. But I think I, I think it summed up best when somebody laid out that target Chip Ganassi team, well, not target, but the Chip Ganassi team that Erickson races for, Husky, I guess, likes to win their races the hard way. That's three for three. Be that have been interrupted by red flag scenarios that Ericsson has gone on to win. Why else would you hire a former cyber driver? <laughs> well, no, they're usually good at creating the red flags, not necessarily winning the red flags, but we'll go there. Uh, you got to learn how to make them before you can beat them. As we learned from Quali this week. Well so. said. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, general impressions of the race, fellas? It was good. It was exciting. There was uh, some fun action. You know, we've got a lot, of, a lot to talk about and unpack today. Some calls that are questionable and some things that totally got missed. Thank you, Alex L. Questionable call in Formula One? That never happens. Never. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's six races. Welcome back, Stewards. You've had your six race vacation. Now it's back to reality. <laughs> Seriously, though. Spence, what'd you think? You were kind of had a bunch of guys chopping at the bit to come home, so... Yeah, I did. I mean, I made some guys wait so that I could watch the race before leaving to drive home yesterday. And they weren't super impressed by the fact that the race was delayed. And I had prefaced it all for them by saying, guys, this is the most boring race on the calendar. Like you picked a great one to sit and watch with me. But you know what? The old girl turned out to have uh, a few tricks up her sleeve. Yeah, and it was, ended up being pretty good. Yeah, a little bit of a dance. It was all right. It was all right. Sacks? I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it after waking up and having to sit through about an hour and a half of red flag time or whatever that garbage time was. But kudos to you for waking up on time. And sticking through it. For a race. And sticking well, with it. That's good. Phil, I knew you'd had your skirt on. You'd done your dancing and you were <sighs> dancing for rain. So I just, Monaco in the rain can be something special. So I just knew I had to be up for it. 
that wasn't just any rainfall, man. Phil shows some leg because that was some serious, serious fall there. <laughs> Upper thigh, please. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I would have really liked to have had a, a last minute change, though. Sort of 10 laps to go, a little bit of rain, a little bit of confusion. Do we go from slicks to intermediates to wet? That would have been fun. Yeah, they decided to do that for formation lap instead, but we'll get into that. Oh, let's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyways, Eric, play the clip. Oh, before I even get into that, boys, <laughs> congratulations. We started this thing one Monaco ago. What? It was, yeah, man, it's, one it's year. wild. We've yeah. been through, at this point, an entire season of racing. And uh, so I'm going to ask Eric at the end of this thing, tack on some of his favorite clips because, you know, for those of you that don't know, Eric Wellman is our long-suffering editor and suffers because of us, not you. So, Eric, find some clips that you like and stick them in from that very first Monaco race. Gosh, a year ago. It's wild. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting, boys. I'm glad we made it. We haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> bonk, bonk, bonk. Bingo! That's right. It's everybody's favorite game. Box, 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 box. Bingo! I think I put an extra box in there just because it was that kind of week. It was actually one of the first weeks that somebody almost, almost scored an actual legitimate point. I'm pretty sure it was pretty darn close. But like Spence's golf game, left it on the lip, apparently. So let's get into it. Box one, quality grid. All right, start us up, Spence. Well, I thought the Ferrari boys would be taking the quality, which was right. I had the signs of Leclerc 1-2. Those were inverted. And then I had Verstappen, Perez, and Russell. I did pretty well, except for Russell. Russell ended up being sixth. I didn't see our guy Lando sneaking into the top five, so well done him. Well, how'd you do, Gareth? Not too bad. Not too shabby at all. I got all five. I, I just have a slightly different order, but Leclerc, Perez, Sainz, Verstappen, and Norris. So I got my top five. Just one switcheroo, I figured Perez was going to beat Sainz. Uh, he saved that for the race. So I got a full point for that. thousand points. <laughs> As always, trying to steal the day. Yeah, you get a small box for the little dinghy. You're fine. And so, mm -hmm. Phil. I, I don't want to say it because it's like, yeah, I did it about as well as uh, Gareth did there. I got all the top five. Not quite the right order. I had uh, Leclerc, Verstappen, Perez, Sainz, and Norris instead of Leclerc, Sainz, Perez, Verstappen, and Norris. There was something about how Norris was driving the McLaren that just made me say, you know what? He was definitely going to make it into that top five for Quali. And he did. Yeah. I don't know. I had faith. I had my man Hamilton there sneaking in the top five. Did not happen. False faith. It didn't work. So, it's, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, it was not there. In fact, Fredo though, seemed pretty lined up this weekend, too. I almost put him in the box, but, you know, Alonso just didn't have it for that one. Not bad. All right. So we've changed box four to quality grid bottom five, just because I've been lawyered on this too many times. So it is the bottom five on the grid, not the bottom five as they qualified. So, guess start us up. As they qualified, our bottom five on the grid were Albin, Gasly, Stroll, Latifi, and Joe. I think, uh, was it Gasly who let out that primal scream when he missed Q2? Yeah. Yeah, he, he wasn't happy about that. I think Stroll whined about it too. I had a few of them. I had Stroll, I had Joe, I had Latifi. Those are kind of the gimmies. I didn't think that Albin was going to get relegated out in Q1, but gosh, that Williams is slow. Like it, it was so slow that Latifi, and I noted this, he was 1.8 seconds off his teammate in FP2. What gives? That's crazy. But we should take all your points away because once again, you've decided to put MSC down as SCHU. I'm doing that because of noisy film. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it succeeded. <laughs> There's really no other reason to do anything in life. <laughs> only that. <laughs> Spence? Well, guys, I think I took this one. Four of the five, I had the two Williams. I had Joe. I had Stroll. I unfortunately had the wrong Alpha Towery. I had Sonoda instead of Gasly. So I'm going to say that's four and a half out of five. That's the box split. I'll give you the box of four and a half. Sure. Why not? Because I'm going to take it away from you later on anyways. So Duh, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Making rules up as we go, as always. Uh, that's right. It's Formula One. We're just emulating the FIA. <laughs> Following the Formula One mantra of the FIA. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody. All right. Let's get oh, into dear. the race. Top five finishers. We had Perez winning this race. Sites on a hard follow, but could not get there. We're stopping holding off Leclerc and Russell running at the top five to, again, start to get that Mr. Sunday title. They actually did call him that during the race, and I was like, I, I can't believe the Sky guys flogging yeah. that dead horse. Pivoting from Mr. Saturday to oh, Mr. Yeah. Sunday. Oh, like, yeah. come on already. <laughs> I was expecting a blowout of messages on the chat when that happened, and there was nothing. There was, like, tumbleweed going through the chat. I was expecting you guys to get pissed off about it. You know, yeah. I was watching the first bit of the race on the F1 TV app, which absolutely loses its mind if you try to flip between apps while you're watching something. Yeah. In fact, yeah. like while it's minimized, it won't even give you audio or edit. No. Any mobile device. Like, that's what I did. I have a $100 tablet that I can use for F1 TV on the app because you can't use anything else. Yeah. No, it, it won't Chromecast from any device that's not a laptop either. So I was trying to Chromecast to my TV or to my parents' TV as it were, and it was just not having it. So I eventually had to like go back and just get wires, cables. Awesome. This is the segment where we bitch about F1 TV and the uh, TV direction from the uh, Monaco TV station. Oh, man. Oh, my God. That was awful. <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> to be expected, it's Monaco, you know. We'll park the Monaco circuit problems till later in the yeah, year. That's, oh, okay. that's yeah, right. that's right. So how'd you guys how'd you guys do? Start with you, Spence. You did all right, I think. I had four of the five, which I think is probably pretty standard no for how we managed to do. I had Leclerc signed for Stapp and Perez, all finished in the top five. But I had our guy Fred, and my God, he was slow, but he was wide <laughs> <laughs> this weekend. Oh, Fred. <laughs> he set the pace for everyone. For the whole race just sat there in seven crafty af yeah crafty af absolutely yeah so yeah four of the five alonzo finished seventh i believe so yeah he's not in the top five he's not but man that was just fun to watch i was actually waiting for lewis to just let out a stream <laughs> i was amazed he was so quiet and calm yeah. honestly i was expecting him to get up a rant about the whole thing and yeah. he really didn't no no he was, he was quite on the radio but yeah, man, I had the usual players, the usual bull and pony shows that were except. I thought Verstappen was not going to make it into the top of the race. And that was because of my wild prediction, but that did not come true. So I had Hamill and Russell filling things out, but that didn't work out either. But I'm taking yeah. a quarter of a point because I did put Russell in fifth place. So. No, you can't take a quarter <laughs> of a point for having three. Well, I mean, Rand, if you're going to take a quarter yeah. of a point for having Russell in fifth place... I'm going to take like 75% of a point because I had Perez in first, followed by Signs with Alonzo in third, Norris in fourth, and Russell in fifth. <laughs> you guys are ruining it at all. I was predicting this was the coming together. I think we're all waiting for the Verstappen and Leclerc coming together. And I was thinking that they weren't lined up next to each other, but I just figured Monaco, barriers, tight track, 
it's always a safe bet that one of them is not going to finish, but they both did, you know. It's going to happen. You know, I had four out of the five. I thought that was pretty good. I had Leclerc and Verstappen and Russell and Perez, not necessarily all in the right order. I thought Norris was going to hold on rather than drop out. But yeah, I mean, I still think Russell is the best of the rest after the top four, so. Yeah, I, I figured that one. That's uh, just how it is. Bottom five finishers. We had Ricardo, who was just nowhere again. Our boy Stroll winding through it all. Latifi, Joe, and Tsunoda. And of course, when we say bottom five finishers, we don't count our two DNFs. Two DNFs? Three DNFs. Three. Three DNFs, yeah. Yeah. Do it. Me? I thought for sure that it was not going to be the Alpha Romeo's weekend. My bottom five actually had Latifi, Joe, Bottas, Stroll, and I figured Hamilton was going to struggle a bit more than he did based on what, how he'd been performing all weekend. Fair enough. I think their lack of mechanical grip and their mechanical bouncing, uh, you, you could see it was messing them up, but I didn't think it was going to be enough to uh, put them in the bottom five. But Phil's disdain for Sir Lewis Hamilton knows no bounds. So. Well, no, not just that. I mean, also think about it. We're talking the bottom five. And as we've said, it's the bottom five finishers. It's also Monaco. And historically, we have a fairly high attrition at this race. So I was not expecting us to have 17 cars finish. I thought we were going to be more around the 14 cars finish anyway. Yeah. I'd had Danny Rick in like my top five because I was just hoping against hope he's going to turn his shit around. So he did not pass through my head as a bottom five finisher in the race. But Schumacher, Gasly, Stroll, Latifi, and Joe. So I got three out of five. Schumacher, as we know, didn't finish. And Gasly... Gasly was able to claw his way out of the basement. I didn't think after his horrible qualifying performance, where did he qualify? 17th? 17th, yeah. Yeah, that he was going to be able to kind of claw his way out because it's Monaco, as we've said, and hard to pass, but he did. So the usual suspects kind of in the bottom five and the bottom five race finishers, definitely some usual suspects. We'll talk about later in the silly season. Yep. I also had Gasly in that bottom five, and yeah, he surprised the hell out of me, but, you know, Stroll, Latifi, Joe. I had Albin down. Again, somehow the red hair just did what the red hair does, so. Did he DNF? He did DNF. So it, it did not do what the red hair does. It backfired on this week. Yeah, it does something. I don't know. He had a pretty awful race. You know, there was definitely a moment where he had a flat as well, and that's why he had the pit and everything like that. And then there was a lovely, and, and we'll talk about his missing of flags. A little bit later on, you know, his attention span way have been elsewhere. Mm, pretty boats. <laughs> <laughs> How far am I from home? Exactly. All right, Spence, <laughs> this is the one you've been waiting for. So tell us. Yeah, so look, I had three of the five. I had Joe, Stroll, and Latifi. And look, what I'm really happy about here, we're in taking a moral victory, is the fact that Latifi finished on the road ahead of another car. Like, he finished ahead of Joe. <laughs> so I think that's fantastic. He beat the rookie who's never, I don't, has Joe even ever driven at Monaco? I don't think so. Not F2 that I know of. Yeah, I, I feel like F2 didn't go to Monaco last year or something because of COVID. And he'd never really been around the circuit before. So yeah, yeah. so he, he beat the rookie that almost shit his pants when he went just sideways coming into one of the corners The rookie there. with the great catch of the slide. That was a oh my god! That was, that was a fantastic yeah. recovery. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So like, I'll, I'll claim the moral victory for box five because you know clearly at this point Nick Latifi is my guy. I think we've established that. <laughs> we have established that. 
Well, because you've gone on the record as saying that, we're going to let you have the moral victory. Well, yeah, the moral no, victory. Perfect. Just not the actual box itself. No, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> you can have the moral victory, but that's it. Fastest pit stop went to Red Bull Racing. That was you and me, Spence. We got that one. That was solid. 2.3 seconds. I'm kind of liking it. So let's go to some of the fun boxes. By the way, just to back up for a second. Sorry, but Zoe actually did race at Monaco last year. Oh. F2 did race there. Okay. There you go. Well, there you go, Gareth. You've been mansplained. Anytime anybody uses the word actually, I'm just assuming they're mansplaining. Oh, <laughs> God. Actually, Randy, we're not. Uh, oops. Danielle would be so proud of us right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to bring her back. She can replace me next time. <laughs> so one of the things we looked at was box six, quality first in the wall. I thought Latifi was going to be that, and it was clearly not. First in the wall was... Sunoda. Sunoda, that's right. Yeah, well, so victory for me. But like Randy, if you had thought a little bit more about the box title, and you had said first in the wall on the formation lap, then yeah, you would have won with Latifi. <laughs> you managed to put it right into the wall at the Lowe's hairpin. I think I, yeah. I also would have won with Lance yeah. Stroll. I believe Lance Stroll. Did, did Lance Stroll not put himself in the wall on the formation lap as well? He did, yeah. And I yeah. think I think maybe one of the Alpines did as well. No, I'm thinking that was, that was Anacoli, I think. Yeah, I think Anacoli. You're thinking about Fernando Alonso's like sympathy crash three quarters before Perez. It's like, yeah. well, somebody crashed three quarters ahead. I guess I'm just going to hit the barriers over here. That's exactly what it is. Sympathy crash. Yeah. So, or not. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> let's go to TV direction because I swear I did not hear one stream of expletives until later on in the race. And I don't know if Monaco was trying to do a family friendly race or something like that. But normally, for some of the stuff that happens, you would have heard somebody just go on a blue streak. So, I mean, the first one I remember was Charles Leclerc when he realized he was double stacking behind Simon. Yeah. The like he, come he, in, he stay out, it. come in, stay out. Come in, stay out, stay out, stay out. Yeah. 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 The Ferrari strategists are back. <laughs> in their usual fine form. Yeah, the less said about that, the better. <laughs> I'm afraid I got a whole segment later on, I'm sure. All right. Free predictions. Started off, Spence. Well, nailed this one too, Randy. I had predicted a double DNF for someone who wasn't specific about the team. And that was Haas. We yeah. had Magnuson out pretty early with, uh, with mechanical issues. I haven't actually heard what the issue was with his car. It was a water pump. Ferrari powertrain. Yeah, okay. So it's like the same reliability concerns they've had the last couple of races. And then Mick put it in the wall in spectacular fashion. With the rear end just coming free of the car. The rear end just, he just lost it. Honestly, when you go back and watch that, there's no reason, absolutely no reason why that car spun. It sort of just turned. Very much did. And I feel like his mechanics are trying to tell him, no, no, no. It's our job to take the gearbox off the car, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, it looked like the, the poor guy. It looked like the marshals were going to ride that thing like a Segway. <laughs> they were suddenly bouncing it along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, but that's an interesting thing. His crash brought out the red flag. And you saw how when the commentators were going on about how efficient the marshals were. They got the car clear and the debris clear. It was putting the barriers back that actually necessitated the red flag. But also, these cars are designed now to have a freer, like the gearbox is designed mm -hmm. to fall away much easier than it did in previous generations. Well, the Grosjean crash where, and, and this is all the energy and the momentum at the back of the car, where it ripped the engine kind of from the survival cell and really did number on the fuel lines. And that's where I got the fireball. So car worked properly. Great. 
like just has to have any money to build more cars <laughs> right it's like <laughs> i think they're going to start dipping into that euro kelly money you know even when the lawyers tell them not to <laughs> right how much gorilla glue do you need to put that thing back together? Like <laughs> that did not look like there was much salvageable on that. I mean, I'm sure they would typically do that after a wreck, see what they might be able to use oh, yeah. on the next build. And yeah, they didn't look like there was much. It was the whole thing. Yeah, they do. They could probably, I want to say it's called magnafluxing, but like basically doing like x-rays or MRIs of the chassis, hmm. like the survival cell to see, is it cracked? Is it still good? And in fact, as Haas did last year, you can repair some cracks in the, in the carbon fiber. That's why Mazepin was bitching about his uh, heavier car. So they'll go through that. And if the engine's unharmed, they will keep the engine in the supply because you almost have to at these points in time. All right. So you called no rain, Gareth. That was an interesting um, call. I, well, can, can we just back up? So Spence got a point, double DNF for someone. Can we just flip over to Phil's great prediction? Yes, I know. I was hoping you were going to just let me just forget about that one. My prediction is that both Haas cars were going to score points. Oh, though, hold on. That didn't happen. Yeah. You jinxed yeah. Once it, Once again, I, I jinxed it. And I'm going to stop wishing points for, for Mick or Magnuson because, you know, whenever I do, it goes backwards. I'm pretty sure that Mick got 10.0 from the Russian judge. <laughs> um, the Russian judge isn't given anything to Haas anymore. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, that they're, they're, they're taking points away. <laughs> that was uh, last year, Randy. So, <laughs> so Phil got nothing. I also got nothing. Um, I was being optimist that there was going to be no rain, but we were going to have a race of attrition with fewer than 15 classified finishers. It rained, if you, if you didn't know. Is that what that was? We call it, you know, warm snow, but yes. And we, we, we <laughs> definitely had a regular uh, day out here in Nova Scotia. So exactly. We had 17 finishers. So, uh, nothing for me on that. How about you, Rand? His is also equally as good. Oh man. Yeah. Mine was brilliant. I had Verstappen flaming out on the second lap and blaming everyone else, which looked like it might've been a possibility for a second, but nope, not at all. So he actually finished the damn thing. Fucking maxed. Oh, well, <laughs> and that's box, 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 big enough for this week. Fill out your own box, go online, check us out at, at FlippinF1, where we will eventually post up a few blank ones where you can play along with us every week. All right. So while we're talking rain, holy crap, bad decisions from the get-go? Uh, what the hell were they doing? I mean, this is Formula One. These are skilled drivers. They know how to drive. Let them drive. I mean, okay, granted, Pirelli, please build some tires that fucking work. But this is ridiculous. This is a sport, if I'm not mistaken. It's a well, racing it's sport. more of an entertainment product wrapped up in a sporting oh, wrapper, but... See, there you go. That's where I'm wrong every single time. I, I'm mistaking this for an actual sport of competition. And they've raced in worse weather than that. I, I'm frustrated by it. Although apparently there was a power cut as well, which yeah, didn't help things. Because even just to back up the timeline, there was a delay of the start of the race... Like it didn't start on time. And then race control said, okay, this is now a wet weather race, which meant that the teams could go back and you could see the chaos, get the wet weather tires and do some other changes to the cars, about like blinking brakes and other stuff. And then, you know, the start was delayed a bit more. And then they did a few laps behind the safety car and Phil's inner thigh action worked. The heavens opened and it was red flagged into the pits. I feel like that was proper. Like it was potentially too dangerous to be racing at that time. Now, back it up some more. They too have started the race on time, had some racing laps, and then, hey, the heavens have opened. Wow, it's really dangerous out there. Nobody can see. Let's red flag it. Might that have been the better option? Probably. I think so. Well, they would have got it in. The whole thing, and 
apparently the circuits put a, a couple press releases on this. The starting gantry lights and the starting gantry were not working, potentially due to a lack of power or water ingress from the rain. It's a temporary circuit. They, you know, Monaco Johnny and his truck goes, puts us up. And maybe they didn't like, I don't know, seal up the case, right? Somebody forgot to put the plug in the hole. Is that what I'm hearing? Who knows? But that's why there wasn't a standing start to begin with. That's what started under the safety car. And then after the red flag restart procedure allows for a standing start, and apparently, and this is me saying what I read, the circuit said, we don't want to chance it if the equipment doesn't work right this time, even though we think it's working now. It just took them so long. That's the part that was frustrating. They were, okay, fine. If you want to say that they're within their right, and they are within their rights to whatever the hell they want, they run the sport. But as a spectator, sure. There was a point, though, easily 20 minutes before they actually got started, where they could have got started. Yeah, even behind the safety car fell, and they could have done a rolling start. I agree with you. You know, they just took their time, and it looked like a a cluster mess. And the fact that there's too many people running around thinking they're in charge, but nobody's actually got the the guts to pull the trigger. find it hard to believe they don't have a manual procedure for starting a race, the event the lights go out. That's actually something that could happen everywhere. They do. It's called a green flag. Right. Why did they not do that? Because apparently they had the safety car available. But it's Monaco. It's the race of the year where you know it's going to be the toughest overtake. And that first corner is literally, in most years, a good chunk of the excitement, right? Yeah. So why are you taking that away from the fans? I don't know. I thought that there could have been another way of doing that, even without the benefit of those lights. There's another thing I want to bring up. And I don't know if anybody picked up on this. We actually started the race with one hour and 55 minutes to go, not with two hours. Didn't pick up on that. Yeah. And I mean, granted, they lopped a a lap off because of the safety car. They went to 77. They would have counted the formation lap out of the pit. But the timer didn't start when they were doing the formations and when they were in the pits with the safety car. And it didn't start, it was still set at two hours when they were in the pits. And then sort of five minutes before they went out, it was like, we're starting the race and it's going to be with one hour and 55 minutes. You're sitting there going, now I know Monaco has some really strange rules because that's one of the the only races that's time limited. Well, no, that time limit just kicks into any race. Okay, maybe now, but it's, it's historically always been a time limited race more than anything. Let me rephrase that. Well, and, but that's just because the rule has been in place forever that if you have a delay or like, you know, here's the start of your race and you've had this much delay, there is a period of time where it tips over from a lap count race to a timed race. And that's, I mean, mostly a TV thing, quite frankly. So they don't go into too many extra hours of TV. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't start right away. This still kind of bugs me, right? Because they got started, mm-hmm. they cleared a bunch of water off of the track. I mean, yeah, when the deluge came, it came and they, they could have flagged it, but by then you'd have had a ton of action. It just made no sense to me. And the lack of communication, because if race control come out and said, there are rumors like race control had lost power, like, okay, yeah. race control doesn't have power. You can't have a race. No. Just be transparent with what's going on. Because goodness knows the FIA has never treated everybody who watches the race like complete idiots before, right? Thanks for victim blaming us when we didn't like the result of last year because you screwed it up. Premature red flagulation, Gareth. Oh, I did write that down. We're in the steward sewer in the penalty props. I was going to say, where have we moved to here? <laughs> the penalty props in the steward sewer. The premature red flagulation. I think that was in qualifying. 
was it not? Oh, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Q1. I mean, there was so much racing I've forgotten. Apparently, there's a yellow flag situation, and one of the marshals, you know, maybe it was Pierre, the colorblind marshal, they let him be the flagging marshal at that corner. And he threw a red flag manually instead of a yellow. And because a red flag had been shown, they then, of course, had to red flag the entire course. Stop and start all over again, which was really painful. Yeah, exactly. Stop and start all over again. Screwed up. I think that was Q1. It was just, come on, guys. Yeah. And not the first time this year the FIA has been perhaps too trigger happy on the red flag, as we saw, I think, at Monza. I just, I saw that. I'm like, okay, you know, they're corner marshals. They are volunteers, but... Please try a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> red and yellow, that's a big difference. <laughs> red, yellow, colorblindness is a thing. Don't know the science behind it. Anyway, so that was the first one. And then we had, I don't know, Phil, where do you want to go with the penalty props and the stewards? Or you've got a few. There is, there's literally so much. For me, I, I think they've had six races of vacation. And now it's welcome back, folks. We're here to destroy your confidence in the sport. There was just inconsistency all around from my perspective, certainly, and I'll say that is my opinion, but... Well, this entire thing is our opinion, so yes, go ahead. Well, absolutely. You know, the first thing that I found hilarious, and I had to go back and watch this, and, and I don't like picking on this guy because I, I, I think he's a good kid, but Albon missed or failed to pull over the 16 blue flags in a lap to let Leclerc buy in the race. 16. I you counted, counted them. every yes. blue flag. I'm literally that much of a geek. I counted them. 16 <laughs> blue flags. He drove by. The stewards said nothing. Did you know that Alex Albon is still under contract to Red Bull? Well, that was the joke that actually got me started on this. There was a meme about Albon being contracted to Red Bull and therefore holding up Leclerc. And I had to go. I had a bit of time, obviously, before we were recording this. And I thought, oh, let me go back and watch that. And then I saw that. And I actually ended up watching it twice or three times just to count all the blue flags. I thought there was a rule for how many flags before they had to actually pull over. I thought it was, I thought it was three. three. Yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody, I mean, Gareth, you're the FIA technical expert on here. There's some, let's call it subjective fuzziness to that because it's at kind of the safest opportunity. It's, it's not like you see one, two, three flags, you're out. So let's put this this way. A few laps later, he pulls over in the tunnel to let the Stappen go by. By the way, if we ever start a band, we are going to call it Objective Fuzziness because that's just awesome. That's a great title. Absolutely. So that was one of the things that frustrated me as a spectator. The other thing was the penalty that Ocon got for impeding Lewis Hamilton. And, and maybe this is obviously they've, they've changed the rules. And I love how they say, oh, you would have passed. That would have been okay last year. But Hamilton was not alongside. His rear wheel was behind. And Ocon, you know, gets a five-second penalty for that. I'm sorry. They are willy-nilly and dealing with these regulations again as they see fit without any consistency. It's absolutely un unacceptable. Yeah, well, I'll agree with you. He, so when, you know, thanks Monaco TV direction, didn't see it all. I didn't go back and watch it. But it didn't look like they were what we think of as side-by-side, -side, like front wheel to front wheel, rear wheel to rear wheel. And the decision is the stewards reviewed the video evidence and noted that on approach to turn one, there was a significant portion of car 44, significant portion of a car alongside car 31. It's a significant portion. A front wing is a significant portion of a car a significant now. Significant portion. But don't worry, because all. Holy crap. not all of Verstappen's tire was over the yellow line, and therefore he doesn't get it a penalty. It gets better. So they say a significant portion, and therefore applying the 2022 driving standard guidelines, 
They're just guidelines. Those aren't <laughs> rules. Those are guidelines. Car 44 was entitled to racing room in turn one. It was definitely marginal. Like, had we seen that on a first lap of a race, we would have been apoplectic that that was called a penalty, even though we're still grumpy about it. I don't know. I feel like the rest of that garage just called Fredo and said, all right, man, make that car thick, just <laughs> fast. <laughs> yeah. Why? I've never seen a, a Formula One car so wide. Holy jeez. He knows, like, he is fantastic. He knows exactly where to put that car to prevent somebody from passing. Yeah. And he did the thing where he like saved his tires. And then the team's like, hey, Ocon's got a penalty. Push forward and see if you can't create a gap for him to slip into. Didn't work. Well, he did. He, now, that was a great thing. He did push forward and he did create a gap. Lewis yeah. just didn't pick up the pace. Well, Lewis's tires are gone. There's, somebody put a chart together, just like Perez's lap time versus Alonzo's lap time over like the last 15 laps. And actually over that entire stint where you, there's a giant spread between them where Fred is like you know, two, three seconds slower. And then he just hammers it and he's suddenly same pace as Perez or like a second faster. <laughs> like he saved his tires. Like he, and yeah. I, I've got this in our, our What You Talked About Lewis segment. Every time people refer to anybody like Alonzo or Seb or even Perez, he, well, he's a wily old campaigner or something like that. I get it. He's been an F1 driver for a while. You don't have to say it, but what he does have, is he's got a big bag of tricks he can use. And he has a lot of experience. Well, yep. he's got the big bag of tricks because he is a wily old campaigner. I don't think he did anything wrong as nope. much as it's frustrating. He raced. He, he raced, raced. That's it. right? And that's the nature of the sport. I'm not complaining. Hamilton didn't nope. beat him. Hamilton no. found nowhere. Alonso had an answer for everything. Yeah. He got beat. The entire point of the exercise is to pass the car in front of you. He was the car in front of him. Lewis didn't pass him. Yeah. Nope. I, I got no inputs. Like, yes, but, right? I mean, it really highlights the limitations of racing at that circuit with cars that are this big, right? I mean, I know I understand the fact that racing's been happening here for 60 plus years. I understand the history. I understand the glitz and glamour, the fact that this is a, at least it would appear to be a very important race for liberty on the calendar. But you know what? I understand why they're considering not making a deal for next year. And we'll talk about this some more, yeah. I mean, again, I said this about Monaco, like when McLaren did that throwback livery, right? And it was just amazing. In the, and we talked about like, yeah, a year ago, we talked about this, right? Like how it would be cool if all the cars did a throwback livery for Monaco. Again, let me throw the idea out, right? Because how great would it be for one race a year for the current driver set in an actual point story race to race in a throwback car, right? Like they pick a... They pick a period, even just three, four years back, and they race in the older spec. And just it, it's not practical if you're a Haas, <laughs> you know. Or, I, it isn't because you pick something like six years ago. Okay, they it's I'm fine. Sorry, six it's years fine. Ago, right. Seven years ago, M they didn't exist. So MSC you know, ends like, up on a scooter. And <laughs> everybody else races. You know, like I'm just saying, that's not it's practical. Funny. That's not it's practical. F1. It's not supposed to be practical. Oh. It, like the whole thing is a circus, man. Like it's they're big expensive I think, cars. And, that... and Crofty and, and Brundle talked to not Crofty and Brundle, Crofty and whoever was in on the qualifying with him on the Sky team. They talked about an alternate option as well, where instead of going right into the tunnel, you actually went left out along the new section that they've basically been reclaiming and then back and then catch the tunnel. Makes the tunnel a little bit faster, but that opens up the track just a little bit more. There's a bit of circuit out. There's a bit more out there that you could sort of do 
And maybe there's a more passing opportunity out that way. So I think there is some reconfigurations that could be looked at. I mean, it hasn't been done because it's an historical track. At the same time, you don't want to take away from that piece. It is unique. And having something unique on the calendar is beneficial to stressing, look, this is the pinnacle of motorsport. These are the individuals that if you're going to be the world champion, essentially you're saying, hey, you know what? I can drive anything, anywhere at any time and make it competitive. Well, hey, this is something unique and different that doesn't exist anywhere else in the calendar. And it gives them an opportunity to shine at it. What do you think, Spence? It's been a little quiet tonight. Look, I think I'd rather watch a race from Hockenheim or the Nuremberg Old Hockenheim. Bring back old Hockenheim with those long straights and then those little dodges of chicanes. And I'll agree with you. Yeah. I, I mean, I just say like this race was good, right? It was better than I think last year's was. Like last year's was bad. You just cannot pass around there. You're there to watch qualifying because oftentimes the race is, is almost a bit of a foregone conclusion. I mean, even think back to 2018, Danny Rick lost. I don't know how many horsepower he was down. And like Seb just couldn't get by him because there was just nowhere for him to pass. It's not it's exciting. But that's unique. That's what makes it unique. That's what makes it boring. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but hold on. The Sunday was not boring. I agree. It wasn't right? boring. It so, had nothing to do with the track. It had to do with other external factors, right? It had to do with the it weather. Had it had to do with the electricity being out. It had to do with making this Mick, car in the Mick wall. Putting in the wall. Yeah. Right? Keep bringing up the paint. I think point. I kind of agree, right? Like, I, I think just because you made Mako a little bit more racy does not take away from the uniqueness of that track, right? You're not going to take away those great shots along the waterfront and all those things that we really know Mako for. I think if it's a little bit more racy, it again becomes a much more fun race to watch and, and it, it fits with Liberty's mandate to grow the audience. So, I mean, like you could think back to last year. Would you rather tonight go back and watch a replay of the 2021 Monaco Grand Prix or a replay of the 2021 Monza, right? Like Monaco is definitely like a more unique setting, but that in and of itself is not enough to pull me back to want to rewatch it, right? The racing was so much better at Monza or Azerbaijan was kind of crazy. Are you sure you don't want to put Spa 2021 on the table? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but at the same time, you, you, you can't say that because you know what? There have been boring races at every single Formula One racetrack in history. You know, we can find a boring race that has happened in them. <laughs> There's never been a Boria race in Montreal. Montreal, we love you. Please give us free tickets. Sorry, but yes, there has been. And I've sat there through one. I believe it was the 97. It was not the most exciting. Was it 97 or 98? You've expressed it as a fill. The rest of us will happily take your... Put on uh, a show and I'll be there. We'll even say the Nick Latifi grandstand. Yeah. I think it's the propensity for a boring processional race, which is the problem because as we talked about, it's very difficult to pass. Like the current F1 cars are... Very, very, very wide, very, very, very long. If you watch any of the F2 racing, those cars are smaller. They looked, let's call it just racier on the streets, if that makes any sense. Like more able to race each other. It's, I think, a factor of, you know, the circuit needs some thought. And talk about this more, like, I think Liberty actually needs to bench Monaco for a year or two. Make them get their shit together. I don't think benching is the way to go. You know, can you sort of say that there's improvements that need to be made? At every circuit, we can say that. I think losing this circuit would be a, a shame for the sport that has a rich history here. I like the idea of going back to the same places, right? This is historic. We've been going there forever, but it doesn't work anymore. I mean, it, it's kind of like, 
I'll, I'll use an example from golf, right? There are so many old classic golf courses, which are fantastic that like professionals can't play on anymore because the game has moved on. The course is too short and it just doesn't work. Okay. But let's go back and play back our podcast from last year. I don't think any one of us said it was boring. Well, we were trying to build a podcast, Phil. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Since when have we ever kept our opinion to ourselves? No matter how detrimental it is. I'm really sorry, Canadian Grand Prix. Please give us tickets. You know, we are honest and we're open and we say it as it is, right? And we were not calling that race boring. Even though in our heads, we go back now and say, mm, I don't really want to watch the game. Sure, there are races I don't want to watch the game. But then again, I pick up and, and I have an extra couple of hours and got the Formula One app on my iPad and nothing else to do, I'll throw a race on at random because quite frankly, I can't remember what happened during that race. Yeah, and that's why, right? Because there's so much else going on in that race. Eric, you got to play the clip Zoot Suit Riots. I mean, when we talked about Monaco last year, we did that. We talked about culture. We talked about couture. We talked about men in capris because that was the whole story last year was men in great capris. Yeah, the race happened, but we didn't talk about racing in Monaco. We didn't really get to talk about racing until, you know, the next couple of circuits where we really end up spending more time on the race itself. I got to agree with Spence on this one. I think a little bit of a change to Monaco to make it more racy would be, you know, I don't want to lose it from the circuit, but I do want it to be a race. So I will say this, like Monaco seems to me, if I could pick one race on the calendar to actually attend, it might be Monaco because it seems like such a scene. It seems so wild. All the things you just talked about, the off-track stuff, like it would be unbelievable. What the Americans have managed to do with Miami is to have that, I think, spectacle for the people who are attending, but also make it a little more interesting for the people who are watching at home. It kind of works in both medium. Whereas I think Monaco works really well if you're there. I think it works a lot less well on TV. That's right. You heard it here first, folks. Let's put a fake marina in Monaco. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that at all, Spence, honestly. Reflecting on Miami and having watched it a second time now, no, I didn't find it that much more interesting. And I'm not convinced. I think it's another one of those hyped up races, the same way Indianapolis was for a number of years. And I actually went to almost every single one that happened in Indianapolis. It's not the same. And even whether you're watching it on TV or you're watching it live there, it doesn't feel like a true representation of the sport. Now, Monaco, yeah, you don't get the passing, but it's a true representation of the sport. At the end of the day, folks, we've got diverging opinions on this one that are never going to agree. So I don't know. I mean, I, I hear you, Phil, but like to <laughs> me, that's a lot like watching the Masters when people are only getting par, right? Like it all comes down to maybe one birdie. That's not a master's weekend. You know, that's not cricket. It certainly isn't cricket. It's called golf. That's right. So look, the last couple of years, the drama in Monaco has been how fast did you go on your outlap? How fast is the guy going on his inlap? How fast is your pit stop? Because like, that's it. That's the whole race. Because there's no overtaking once you get back out there. Yeah. Like you are going to overtake a guy while he's in the pits. That is literally the only way it's going to happen at the and for a number of years, we've said the same thing about Spain. We've said the same thing about other circuits that we've gone to. And we still go to them. We still think that they're great. And they still deliver occasionally some amazing races. You know, that's the nature of the sport. Yeah. I'm not saying don't go to Monaco. I'm saying, A, make it better. 
Yeah, make it better. Like drop the local TV directors. Oh, please and, drop the local TV directors. I agree with that. Let's change get the rid track of them. a little bit just so that it becomes just a little bit racy. I mean, you're not going to see wheel to wheel racing in Monaco. Absolutely not. But if you can see a few overtakes and see a couple of actual fights on race day, I think that's what the average fan is looking for, Brian. And I am a pretty average. You're more than average, Randy. You're at least slightly above average. Yeah. yeah. My thought, <laughs> the circuit needs some reconfiguration. I do love the fact that all the corners have names and history, which is absolutely fantastic. The YouTube channel Chain Bear F1 did, I think it was last year, a here's some crazy ideas for Monaco about how to reconfigure it, make it racier. But it could do with being racier because, yes, there's magic on Saturday with qualifying, which is always just mind-blowingly brilliant until somebody stuffs it in the wall and causes a red flag. But there needs to be something more there on Sunday, because I admit, if I'd woken up and it hadn't been raining, I would have watched the first five or ten laps and probably gone back to sleep. You would have seen what happened in the turn one, right? Yeah. And you would have said, well, I'll, I'll come back in 20 minutes when the first guy is going back to pit. Yeah, we'll see who's overcutting or undercutting, and uh, if anybody's Ferrari or Red Bull or Honda has blown up. Difference in how we watch Formula 1. All right, let's move on from that, because I think we all know that there was lots to flush down the sewer and sewer, and that Monaco itself as a track needs to be updated a little bit, except for the parts that shouldn't be. Let's talk silly season, because man, it's begun, and it's begun hard and fast. Silly season, let me tell you. I talked about this last week, Ricardo. He's got to be questioning what's going on, and Zach Brown made some comments about Ricardo's contract for next year and, and, and question marks and, and ways out. So the pressure's on. If he's not going to start delivering, there's going to be options. I mean, there is options in terms of who McLaren can put yeah. in there. McLaren's IndyCar team just re-signed Pato Award on a few years deal. That includes some more F1 seat time for him. Hmm. That'd be an interesting flip over. Pato comes to F1 and Danny goes over to IndyCar. I think he could do well in IndyCar. I think he would too. He's got to write stock cars. Has to. Has to. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's so American. Only with the sideburns and the mustache, right? Is that, is yeah, that yeah, the yeah, idea? Yeah, yeah, has yeah. To. yeah. yeah. Apparently, Raikkonen's going to race NASCAR on a limited program this year. Fantastic. Yeah, there's a whole team that's sort of developed for out-of-place drivers, essentially, what's happening. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> just, <laughs> it's the only way I can put it, out-of-place drivers. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine a NASCAR Kimi Raikkonen party. It's like, it doesn't compute in my head. Well, I mean, the guy can party, but he just isn't very talkative, okay? Leave me alone, I know what to do. <laughs> and by party, I mean he can drink. This is no talking that goes along with it. Yeah, but he doesn't drink the same stuff that the NASCAR crowd does. I mean, ah, maybe he'll bring the bucket over. You well, know. Let's see. <laughs> I love it. Absolute racing. <laughs> there you go. I mean, there's other options. There's other things as well in the silly season that we have to talk about. You know, we've talked briefly about it, but, and it pains me to say this because I, I truly want to see him succeed. But what is, you know, how it's going to do with Mick? You know, he's doing a lot of damage. Just costing them a lot of money. And, you know, will he be there in 23? Will he make it to the end of 22? I'm sure he'll make it to the end of 22, but will he be there in 23? The silly season is there, right? And there's other people out there that could do better, even in a Haas. Yeah, Gunther's given him the first warning. That's the story today I read. Yeah, I mean, you would know this, Phil. How long did it take his dad to really come into his own? It was a couple of seasons, but I mean, he was competitive. He wasn't necessarily blowing the car into the walls. You Although know. Michael was in much better equipment from the get-go other than the Jordan at Spa. And then he got into Benetton. Eddie Jordan basically stole him to Benetton for a pile of money. Well, not and quite how it goes when the story is actually told, but we'll go with it. Is that not what happened? I, Eddie oh, Jordan got some no. money for him. 
Yes, but not quite that. He didn't really sell him. He got the, the story is he got a little bamboozled by Michael and Flavio and, and lost Michael as a result. So, yeah, there's a deeper story when you go into it. Now, there's a moral there, right? Don't put your driver up in a card game. <laughs> <laughs> That's Eddie Jordan's problem. Yeah, Eddie had to keep that team afloat any way he could. All that to say, and thank you for correcting me, Phil, in the record. Michael was in a Benetton, which was a relatively better car at the time in his first couple of years of the sport. Like it was a top three car, like a Ferrari, Red Bull, or Merck would be today, I think. Yeah. I mean, essentially, it'd be like putting Mick into the Enstone team now. They weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't a top tier. They were a top four, but you know, it would be like the same thing. Yeah. Or, McL- or McLaren, like, yeah. Uh, it would be the same idea. So, I mean, I, I would love to see him go to another team. I don't think being with Haas is actually doing anybody any favors. And Haas's model is not necessarily proving itself to be the success that they want it to be. I just don't know who takes him. Like, I don't know where else he goes. Like, you look at the people running like Ferrari engines, you say, well, he's not going to go to the big team. They've locked both guys down for several years. Then the other option is Sauber, right? Yeah, Alfa but- Romeo. And it's like, well, they don't want to get rid of, like, Bottas is driving the wheels off it. And then Joe is... He's reliable. Yeah, he's reliable. He doesn't crash it. But the other piece of it, the the comment or the, the article I read today, where Toto was actually saying they're going to dump one of their engines. They're going to drop it down to three themselves and two other teams. Huh. And so means Ooh. Williams, McLaren, or Aston Martin are going to be looking for an engine supplier. So that's interesting. So do you dump the more competitive team in McLaren or do you dump one of the lesser team i think they probably dump williams more than anything depends on if they need the money because mclaren is paying full freight for their engines which is why you don't see like mercedes-benz branding on the car quite frankly williams is not and that's you know here's a seat for george russell here's your engine discount yeah i i I really do think that's probably williams would be the team that they would dump aston martin has deep pockets and mclaren as gareth said plays full freight anyway so you know the team that goes is williams well, and Aston Martin also buys Mercedes-Benz engines for their road cars, yep. if I'm not mistaken. They do. So there's a tie up there anyway. So, yeah, I think Williams is a possibility for, for a vacancy. And Alpine wants a want, want team. Although, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, is Merck is contractually obligated to supply up to four teams, are they not? If there's a request to, yeah. But it's, it's also dependent on the number of engine manufacturers in the sport. I believe that there's a ratio. So I think they have to supply three, but if they're asked to, they can supply four. can't remember the specifics about that, to be honest. I welcome the Williams, Renault, Alpines. And, and are we, we talking like kind of pre-2025 or for next I year? don't know. I mean, it wasn't super clear as with anything that Toto seems to say. Yeah. Um, when does Volkswagen Porsche come in? 2026. 26. And they're going to be an all new team, correct? One will be an all new team and one's an engine. Is, is their plan now whether that actually happens in the, at the end of the day we'll see silly. so curious yeah it's a silly season so hey you got an interesting one up on the board Gareth. i want to talk about this one because i'm actually curious a perez extension part of the silly season so perez was over in the immediate like get out of the car hug christian horner like at some point like in the podium ceremonies puts his arm in arm and perez apparently said i haven't seen the video i've read the articles where he says to christian I should have signed so early, eh? <laughs> which is which, which is that now been f- followed by kind of a long string of non-denial denials. Ah, uh, lovely. So it sounds like the extension is done, and nobody will say that it is not done. 
So congratulations, Shackle. I, I just hope like it'd be kind of nice to see him like on more than a year, but I don't think Red Bull's going to put him on more than a year. So what happens to Gasly then? They got to release him. Like he's been sitting in the line. Red Bull doesn't want him in the top team. He is a little bit too outspoken for them, a little bit too critical. So then when's Alonso vacating his seat? He's, he wants to keep going. <laughs> I don't think he's leaving. I think he's more likely to take Lewis Hamilton's seat, frankly. I don't know if Lewis is going to want to stick around next year if he is in a car that is not going to be at the right at the sharp end. Do you think Mercedes would put Gasly in there? I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't put Gasly in Merck. I don't think so. Why not? But there's other drivers that would be put mine for a Merck drive. Oh, here's your tinfoil hat moment. This whole Merck says, we don't want to do four teams. Williams gets dropped. Williams gets Alpine engines. And maybe they put a Gasly in that car. Well, sure. that's interesting. That's a, that's a tenfold hand moment. Yeah. Right, which answers the next question, right? What do you do when Latifi's gone? Because that'll probably come at the end of this year. I hate to say it. He's a good Canadian boy with nice manners, but. You know, he's a Formula One driver. No, I know. It's interesting. I mean, one move and that whole silly season kicks off, right? And I mean, we're at that point where it's just going to happen. Somebody's going to make a move. I honestly, straw bet right here, I think the first move is going to be Ricardo. I think McLaren, after all the stories and Zach saying what he's saying, I don't think Zach Brown comes out and... There's your Gasly landing pad. Gasly to McLaren. Gasly to McLaren. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Gasly and Lando as a pairing. They have a similar driving style, and that's always a key thing when you're with a team. You want drivers to complement each other. This one I actually don't feel so bad about, right? Because I think all of us are right, right? Ricardo comes to the States and he'll kick ass in the States. He'll do well. Yeah. He'll be well received and he finishes off his career at a high. I just hope he doesn't do NASCAR, really. Uh, He will, just to say he did it. Because I don't want to watch NASCAR. I know. He'll (laughs) do it to say he did it. He'll do Indianapolis and he'll kick ass in Indianapolis. He'll do... Maybe a limited IndyCar program or something. Yeah. I mean, at least NASCAR, when they're manipulating the race... They are transparent, honest, because they have the stages. And it's like, hey, we're just going to, you know, have a forced restart here. I don't understand it or their playoff format. I read about it once or twice, tried to watch it, couldn't. But at least they're honest with what the product is, unlike the FIA Monaco. Fair enough. Oh, poor FIA. Getting beaten up so bad this week. Oh, we've been on the nice side of them for too long. That's the problem. Yeah, we went six races without picking them apart too bad. Celebrity sightings and fashion this year at Monaco was probably the most disappointing of it all, except for another classic Martin Brundle grid walk. It was awesome. See, I don't have TSN. Well, I do, but I never watch it. And so I missed the grid walk. Yeah, this time he tried to talk to some of the cast of Bridgerton, who just didn't know him, wanted nothing to do with him. Pretty great. So there should be a rule that anybody who's going on to the grid that's a celebrity, they need to show them, this is Martin Brundle, you need to acknowledge he exists. But this is the brilliant part about it, because just like Megan Thee Stallion last year, it was the PR guy that makes a scene. You can't do that. You can't come talk. I was like, I can. You're on my grid. Like, let's not forget where you are, people. Sounds like I need to go back and find that, because I didn't see it either. I was still in that. It's not as good as the original Miami walk, which was brilliant. I'll talk about this in the Netflix session, but we'll do it in a second. But like, I think that's a whole Netflix bit right there that could be hilarious, right? The Brundle Bunch. <laughs> he hates the gridwalks, by the way. He really hates doing the gridwalks. But he's so good at it. <laughs> but he hates it. I know. But like, you need Ted elsewhere, right? Ted gets all the information. And if you watch the Ted's notebooks after the race, 
he's doing some of the same stuff. I think at this race, you know, he says to random passerby who's like looking at the Alpine motorhome, who are those people? Are they famous? And some French teenagers are like, yeah, 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 blah, 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 YouTube Twitch streamer. It's like, oh, well, fantastic. Yeah. And he just keeps walking and talking. <laughs> it keeps walking by, yeah. Oh, the favorite crystal helmet, Gareth, tell us. Lewis Hamilton. He had some sort of amethyst helmet. Amethyst is a purple crystal. It's a giant rock, or usually a rock. You break it over, and the beautiful purple crystals inside. And it's his favorite crystal. He had a special purple helmet with amethysts on it, which, so glad your favorite crystal showed up, Lewis. Well, I feel like it was a beautiful way to punk the FIA. Hey, uh, keep talking about jewelry, and I'm just going at this. I'm just going to put some precious <laughs> stones on my helmet. I like yeah. that. Yeah, like, honestly, yeah, I think it's like, all right, you really want to open up this conversation? Let's go. Although I think the Sky commentators called him out. He actually switched helmets during the red flag period. Did he? Put his yellows back yeah. on? Yeah. Probably only had like a three or four of those amethyst helmets and it was too wet or something. He's like, oh, I'm just going to do a mid-race helmet swap. Superstition too. Maybe he's just like, maybe the yellow will give me a little bit better. Didn't work. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's all we need to say about that. Oh, there's a lot more we could say, but we'll leave it for you. What you doing, Lewis? There was a couple good Martin Brundle crafty moments this weekend. I mean, they had so much time to fill. Well, exactly, right? And <laughs> it's, actually, it's one of the things I do love about Rain Delays is those guys just vamp for hours on end, <laughs> and it's great. But there was one moment where Brundle, seriously, I've heard him frustrated before, but like in just that very English way, it was like, We've learned absolutely nothing from Spa last year. <laughs> it was the ultimate chide. He had a couple of good ones, though, because he had that. And he also had the whole, you know, this is racing. Come on, this wrist. Let's go. Yeah, there's one I put up. But I don't know if it was when they threw the red flag or when they got started behind the safety car and they're just doing laps. And he said, it's a dangerous business. That's why we tune in. <laughs> well said. We, we don't want anybody getting hurt, but we're not going to wrap everybody in bubble wrap and put them on like little skateboards. That's what we tune in to watch, but that's what they show up to do. So let them do it. My favorite radio call of the weekend, and I haven't had a chance to go back and find it, but I can't remember if it was in qualifying or if it was actually in the race. But our Canadian strolls, you know, his cry baby cry, because he literally, it, it felt so pitifully painful. I don't know if anybody else wrote that one. It was just awful. Was that just kind of like the primal scream? I thought that was ghastly. No, the no, Gasly did one as well. Gasly was a primal scream, but this was far more of a primal cry. I'm a baby in the crib. I just woke up. Ah, no, I don't want to. Daddy said I got to be up in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're losing all Aston Martin sponsorship there, folks. Yeah, that's another box. We're not going to be in Montreal. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> we're just trying to check them off. Is that yeah, what's going just, on before we get there? On, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was, we've heard Stroll wine before, but that was full wine. Like, yeah. Wow. Like, it wasn't even like the low bread. It was just straight on. <laughs> yeah. Temper tantrum. It was wild. You can just imagine him in the car hitting the steering wheel, you know? Speaking of temper tantrums, though, I mean, I saw this video of Max. He pulls into the garage and like, pulls his gloves off, just throwing them around. Dude, man, like, don't throw a fit. Just like, get up and put things down calmly and then punch the wall like they're every other civilized driver. <laughs> There's probably not a budget for that. Wait, when was that? I don't. Was that yeah. for <laughs> He was just off of something Probably like, probably when Perez and, and Science come together, then he finds them. 
he turned the corner and Perez and Sainz were literally, that was just a bizarre situation too. Yeah. Which was great though, right? Because the picture of that was ultimately the podium. So <laughs> just parked to the wrong side of the track. So. True. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't know if this is just a directorial choice F1 this year, but I'm finding radio is a hell of a lot more boring. And I know when we talk about like, we ranted, I ranted. I know Spence, you liked it, but I ranted about like the FIA radio feed. But even before that existed, radio was funny and there were good calls. And, you know, every once in a while you hear interesting things. And now it is just, excuse this, but vanilla. Yeah, I, I don't know if, I think the directors have made a choice not to put a lot of that on. It's, I mean, you can still go in if you have the F1 app and go in and listen to the cars driving around the tracks and the drivers talking to their engineers and what's being said. If you've got that much time that you want to watch the race 20 times, you know, and you can hear some interesting things, you know, Albon getting frustrated with his mechanic about not talking to me, you know, not telling me, why are you not telling me when he missed those 16 blue flags? <laughs> Sorry, it's a sore point. No, I get it. It's pretty funny. It's like, <laughs> why didn't you tell me they were there? I don't know. I figured after the 14th, you might have noticed. <laughs> Flashing light to your number. What else could it be, people? Uh, yeah. This was last year, like when we started this show, this was one of my favorite segments was what's on the radio. And, you know, like between the broadcast and the radio, like there's some seriously funny stuff. And I feel like this year, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's just they don't want to compete with Netflix. I think we have to go hunt it down if we want it. We're going to have to go hunt it down. It's yeah. there. It's just not well, on the regular feed. F1 TV also cuts up a, it's usually 20, 25 minutes, which pisses me off because it's about 10 minutes longer than the best overtakes, but they do a best radio of the weekend, which it's actually usually worth watching because you also get to see some of the best overtakes and the other overtakes as part of it. But I'm like, are you just holding this back, holding back the good stuff so you can cut something together for your F1 TV subscribers? That doesn't bring people in. Content is king. Yeah, but my question about this weekend is how long do you think the best overtakes film is going to be from the Monaco Grand Prix? Well, they'll show the pit exit. You know, there are a couple of really close calls that was not seen on the regular feed. There was that fabulous closeness between Schumacher and Zoe, I don't know, about 10 laps before Schumacher put it into the wall. Going into Raskas, it was really close. There was there was a lot of very close action that we didn't get to see. Honestly, the production of, and we've talked about it, but the production of the Monaco Grand Prix, <laughs> the directors, please don't renew that part of the contract. Give that back to the Formula One. They have a better job of doing it. So Yeah, we missed a lot. But that also reminds us that we saw some great, like, okay, nobody can pass, but you've got the top four cars are racing each other all the way to the checkered flag. Fantastic. Yeah. And, you, you, and you, we had close racing all the way through, like the close racing with Hamilton and Alonzo Hamilton Ocon, both, and all the way up and down. So, hey, the cars can follow, especially at slow speeds. Great. And there was no porpoising. Huzzah. Yeah. That was nice to see. Yeah. There's lots of bouncing, but you expect that out of Monaco, right? It's a street track. So bounce, 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 bounce. Let's move on to that's a Netflix moment. Get us started, Phil, because you want to talk about. Strategists, strategists, yes, strategists. Yeah, yes. I think that's what the Ferraris actually is. Strategists, not strategists. Maybe that's the entire problem, Phil. They've been hiring strategists and not strategists. I think <laughs> that must be it, right? No, my my comment there is welcome back, Ferrari strategists. You know, we certainly haven't missed you. I think that's the Netflix moment. Donato talked to Gene Haas. Was like, ah, oh, what you need is some strategists. 
God damn it. I really need somebody to proofread this stuff before I put it on there. <laughs> Danielle, I've got a job for you. You and the, whoever publishes the race director's notes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think one of the stories that Netflix could sort of lean on is this race, Ferrari made some wacky calls. And, and the biggest one being bringing Leclerc in or trying not to after they said he could come in. That was definitely somebody saying, yes, we're going to bring you in. And somebody just next door going, no, 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 no. And we all know what happened there. That's fun, though. You could call an episode that, like, I have a strategy. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's something to that as well. I think also The Perils of Rain is, is sort of the overarching title for an episode about Monaco in 2022, or the lack thereof. I would love yeah. to see Drive to Survive just do an entire doc episode on Dancing in the Rain and like the cars doing what they do during those rainy races and things like that. I think it's a compelling story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's some highlights that you can pull from this track, for sure, from this weekend of just moments where I swear, and I think I put it in the chats, drivers were needing to change their underwear after some of those hairy, scary moments. Yeah. You know, cars literally flinging themselves, aiming towards a wall and then somehow not all collecting into the wall. Three or four did, but most of them made it around. So those are my Netflix moments. Over to you, Randy. Yeah, you know, we've talked a little bit about the steward sewer and things like that. And I really think, again, there's a fun story to be had that I would call rule book 2.4.1.2.1.1.1. Yeah. XP. It's just like the ever-changing rule book. And had that is becoming the story from the one in the modern. Like, this might have been the case back when you started racing, Bill. Sure, it was when I started racing. Like, yeah, the rule book is there and it got talked about a little bit, but we didn't really like have it all in front of you. But now in the social media age, everybody knows everything and it becomes the entire conversation after almost every race of like, here are the nuances, and little things. So I think that's interesting you should say that because when I think back on some of the history of the racing that I've watched, they've always had these crazy moments with Formula One. The difference being, we didn't know what the rules really were. I mean, thinking back to some of the late 90s calls that were being made, and I didn't know how to find the rule book, so I didn't go looking before they were posted on the internet. And so you get frustrated. Oh, they made that call, but you don't know whether you're right or wrong. Now we get to say, don't know why you made that call, and then you get to go and read up going, I don't understand how you interpret that. This is why I'm not a lawyer, by the way, because I think it's just a load of bullshit. Yeah, no, that's fair. And then I think, yeah, there's an episode, I really do think there's an episode called The Brundle Bunch, where like, it's just all of Martin Brundle's follies on the beard walk. I think that'd be hilarious. You got one, Garris. Yeah, I think there's a feel-good Perez story in all of this. I, I think they did an episode about him winning Secure, and you can keep kind of the feel-good Perez kind of journeyman racer, don't cry for me concertina, the Perez story. Okay. Somebody suggested that. I, I think there's a Prez story. And depending on how the season goes, the retrospective Prez story that they put together, maybe the, like this is the Prez story about how he valiantly fought for a world driver's title and lost out to his teammate because of shenanigans and inter-team nastiness or whatever it is. But I, I think there's kind of a, a really nice Prez storyline. Let's head to the last segment as always. Wind your wow. Get us started, Spence. Randy, man, I got nothing. Let's move along to the next guy. No, I'll see this way out. Yes, you're up. So my kind of driver team observation is 
Ferrari's playing the sharp angles. The whole post-race, we want to lodge a protest about the fact the stewards didn't make any notations or decisions about whether or not these Perez and Verstappen's tires were on the line or over the line or inside the line, exiting the pits. Like we paid the fee, we've lodged a protest. I mean, this is Ferrari playing every sharp angle that they can find to play to try to gain an advantage over the rivals. And we saw this last year and that's why Total Wolf and Christian Horner probably aren't singing Kumbaya around a campfire these days. But it has begun, and this is, I mean, it's also perhaps Ferrari saying, well, we screwed up the strategy, so let's just appeal to the ref and say, please, can we win? Because what they effectively did is they, they wanted time penalties for both Verstappen and Perez, which would have promoted Sainz and Leclerc to probably first and second, respectively. They didn't get it, and for various good reasons, which include don't copy Michael Massey's homework, because the copy-paste of last year's race notes, and nobody noted up or fact-checked uh, all the citations to the regulations, some of which have changed year over year. So Ferrari's playing the sharp angles, and this becomes the whole, you know, corner versus Bonato in the media, making digs each other. We'll, we'll see this for the next, how many more races we got? Like 21, 22? More races remember. left? No, we've got like 16. 17 races left. 16, 17. Right. It's a 23 race calendar. That's it. I think it's the end of the Red Bull Ferrari loving. I verily believe, but it also looks a little bit petty AF on Ferrari's part. So that's my team thought. My venue is, we've talked about it, we referred to it, the Monaco deal. The whole, is the race going to be there? Like the actual race deal is on the table. It expired this year when the venue promoted the Automobile Club de Monaco have to do a deal with F1, Liberty Media, to keep the race there. And they've got this special deal. And I think we talked about how stupid the special deal is in terms of crappy TV direction, because Monaco's got a special deal where their local broadcaster does the TV work. They've also got, you might have seen this, they get to put up their own track signage. They don't have to use the F1 approved track signage. So you may have noticed that Tag Heuer is the official timepiece of the Monaco GP, but Rolex is the official timepiece of Formula One. So they're basically selling ad space twice. And there's some other kind of goofy stuff. They also pay a very low hosting fee. I think Liberty Media is going to say, like, you guys have to shape up and get more mainstream with what you're doing. Because look at the vertically integrated product we can put out in Miami and Vegas, and we don't need you. You guys have to play ball by our rules and make the product better for the people who are paying to see it. So that's my venue thought and my future of the sport thought. And there's been a lot of chatter about this. And this goes back to like the teams and getting their elbows out about cost cap. Eh? I think maybe seven of the 10 teams have said, ooh, geez, $140 million cost cap. No way we're going to get that this year. We're going to exceed it by the 5% low excess threshold and not really get penalized for it. But everybody's whining about budgets and saying they're not going to stand their budget. So back to hear more of that, and I'm sure a deal will be done that the cost cap gets raised or some special inflation allowance is agreed to. But everybody's like, yeah, it's cost me millions of dollars more to run my wind tunnel now. The electricity rates have gone up. <laughs> yeah, there it is. It's not just wind tunnels, logistics, it's travel, it's staffing, it's inflation. Kitchen table, pocketbook issues. Phil, you do not get to use this podcast to complain about the price of gas like an old man. Sorry. Just not I was not going <laughs> to complain about the price of gas, although it is a little insane. Um, no, I wasn't going to do that. So my sort of impressions is a little bit on that. In my opinion, and I think we said it from the, the racetrack itself, Monaco has to stay. I agree that they've got to give up some of their control. I and mean, we have to sort of think about it this way. This was one of Bernie Eccleston's last deals before he retired or sold up or whatever we want to talk about. 
and he committed them to a 10-year deal. Can we just talk about Bernie for two seconds? Well, I saw that he got arrested. He got popped bringing a loaded handgun <laughs> onto a <laughs> private plane in Brazil. It was in his luggage, apparently. He didn't know he had his 93 senile. But Dan had to spend a few hours in a Brazilian airport jail. But he lives in Brazil. His wife's Brazilian. And I'm sure he had a very nice time. He paid a fine. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. We just had to talk. No, yeah. that's okay. You know, I'd forgotten about that happening literally on Saturday, I think. But yes, I think the circuit has to stay. I think, yes, they're going to make some, certainly from the broadcasting perspective, there were some interesting conversations about other things they could do with the circuit. And maybe that's something to look at. But I certainly hope they're able to find a way of making a deal for the reasons to keep them there. In terms of my observations for the teams and drivers, is there anybody else other than Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes right now? I honestly, one of those things, I hate to say, I know there's 10 teams, but I struggle when we get to who's going to be in the bottom five. There's just so much, you know, they're not stepping up. All the other teams, the midfield is really so far back from, from the top three. We could make a who's going to be in the middle box for box, 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 bingo, which is that <laughs> hey, much more challenging. Know. That could be rather interesting. That could be a really challenging box. Exactly. From a driver perspective, I think Russell is certainly demonstrating that he is in a league of his own and how he's handling that Mercedes comparison to a seven-time world champion is quite spectacular. So that's certainly my impression. You know, I think it's every race this year, he's managed to pull that car into the top five, which is no small feat. In terms of future of the sports, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next couple of races. Are we going to see any driver changes soon? I doubt we'll see any before Baku and Canada because there hasn't been anything rumored at this point. But certainly shortly thereafter, we will. And in terms of, you know, this is a sport, we have to let them race. They're racing drivers. And this isn't amateur indoor flag, no-touch soccer baseball. You know, they know what the risks are and they're in it. <laughs> is that the adult leisure activity that you play in your spare time? No, but I had to think of something totally obscure to make my point, right? You know, like <laughs> these are professional racing drivers. They know what the risks are. If every single one of them was willing to step up and drive before FIA would let them at this Grand Prix, you know, they're there to race. Let them race. At the same time, please, Pirelli, give them the tires to do the damn job because those wets were not clearing a lot of rain. Yeah, that's funny because that's actually where I was going to go for me with future of the sport is let's get the tires sorted, right? They're big. That's fine. But like the compounds, just they're weird. I've tried to figure out like, how is this thing going to go? Like The tire compounds are all over the place. And the system of we're going to shift over to the hardest, but it's still soft, medium, hard. I don't know. I don't particularly like it. I, Bring back the hypersofts. I, I was it. watching the F2 this past weekend, and they actually said, oh, they're on the hypersofts. Yes, unlike F1, we still have different names for tires. Yeah, that was great. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of my future thought. Like, get this right, brilliant. And as you said, right, like those wets, make them proper extreme wets. You know, again, if you think about the commercialization of the sport, that's your opportunity. Like, make wets that are really amazing that you can then turn into road wets that are really amazing. It's all for a whole, whole load of money. Andrew will get them. He draws an energy. Only two sets. <laughs> yeah. <That's>, <laughs> right. <laughs> Always have backups. He needs a backup. That's the problem. <laughs> we start carrying him around in a rack on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> We're overlanding now, Martha. Yeah. No, I think overall race venue, I'm with you guys. Monaco needs to stay on it, but it needs to be modernized just a bit, right? Even the most classic stadiums or the most iconic sports venues, the one I think of is Azteca in Mexico City, right? Probably one of the most iconic, iconic football stadiums in the world. And it 
has been upgraded time and time again. The outside has stayed the same. The inside, there's some new amenities and some new things to make it better for the fans. The pitch has been upgraded so that it, it fits with the modern game. It doesn't take away from what happens there. Like You see Mexico play anybody at Azteca. You see any of those teams that play it. And it's just a giant, wonderful thing to do. And I highly recommend it if you get out to Mexico City. But you can still keep the spirit of Monaco, even Monaco. And I'd like to see that. As for driver or team, we didn't talk about him much, but I'm so, so loving happy Valtteri right now. Like, there's just such a, a zen to Valtteri Ballas right now. And it's really quite enjoyable. Like, if this is the last space before retirement, what a way to go out, right? Happy, relaxed, chilling, doing his thing. Great social media, great races for the most part. I just, I'm liking it. I want to see more Valtteri. I want to see him starting to challenge George. I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, like he's got the chops still to be up in that five, six, seven spot. If he has a little bit of luck in a good race. And I want to see more of that. So it's the car. Alpha in Formula One starting to have the reputation of Alpha on the road. Hey, man, stick to your brand. It's the first principle. Spence, you want to take another whack at it? Uh, no. <laughs> I got to go, man. I got dinner. I got about three hours of work to do. I got to go. <laughs> Spence's golf trip hangover is still affecting his, yeah. uh, his ability to talk. Before we go, Gareth, who won the straw bet on uh, the number of flags? Do you remember? We got Randy, two red, three yellow. Phil, one red, four yellow. I, I went three red and four yellow. So there you go. Uh, Randy, you might have won the straw bet. Congratulations. You get a straw bet win, which means you get nothing. Yeah, I get to host the show again. Awesome. Great. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Well, that's it. Checkered flag in another episode of Flippin' F1. Follow us on Twitter at, at Flippin' F1. Of course, Flippin' F1 is a hobby farm production and it's edited by our long suffering but very awesome editor, Eric Wellman. Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends so that we get up to 13 followers at some point or another. It'd be really nice. All right. Fellas, say goodnight. Good night. Good night. Good night. So here are my fashion highlights from the weekend. This is Serena's PR handler and those pants. I, I don't know what's going on. I consulted somebody who knows about fashion, my partner, and she said those are easily $3,000 and that you would not wear underwear with them. And leaves me the question, why is there a hole there and how long are they going to stay white for? And sometimes you just got to use suspenders, right? It's just uh, wherever you can, man, wherever you can. Exactly, exactly. And the other beautiful bit of fashion, this guy. Gray suit on the right of the podium. He's obviously, you know, a Grimaldi heir of some sort. They're the royal family in Monaco. He's wearing this weird single-breasted, asymmetrical, boxy, like he's going to go to Zoot Suit Riot, but tried to make his own from the thrift store and kind of screwed up. <laughs> I want to say if Martin Brundle had looked at it, it would be a decidedly secondhand suit. <laughs> and I saw that and this incredibly wealthy inbred chap in a secondhand suit. So there we go.
That's my. It could be that he actually borrowed the jacket and he had an extra button stitch there, so it could actually form fit. No, no, there there are no buttonholes on this side of the suit. It was super weird. (laughs) My daddy had this suit, and I love it. (laughs) 